Hello and welcome to the Higher Enlightenment Podcast, brought to you by Higher Yields Cannabis Consulting, your seat to sale business solutions team. My name is Adam, part of the creative team here at Higher Yields, and today's episode is number 27, Being an MSO, or Multi-State Operator, with special guests Corey Wagner, Sherry and Madison Marzario, and Brian Rudin. So let's get on with the show. We'll start by having everybody introduce themselves. Let's start with you, Corey. Yeah, thanks, Adam. <clears throat> Corey Wagner, I'm the CEO here at Higher Yields Consulting. Hey, Corey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet hey, you. Madison. Okay, thanks for being here. And Sherry, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, Sherry Marzario, and we own Tumbleweed Dispensary, Colorado. Um, and also have uh, MIPS. We own Canna Punch and Highly Edible. Some other concentrate companies, Wildfire. Uh, we just acquired RMR out in Steamboat. And now taking our brands to Michigan. Okay, thanks. Uh, Madison, could you introduce yourself? Yes, I am Madison Marzario, Sherry's daughter. Um, I do all of their operations, so COO of all the tumbleweed locations and their manufacturing and cultivation facilities. And then my sister, Montana, and I started two brands, Wildfire Concentrates and Care Division, which we just re recently um, launched in Michigan in addition to Colorado. Okay, thanks. Brian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do? I'm Brian Rudin. I'm the founder and the CEO of Starbuds Retail Dispensaries. We have locations in multiple states and now international as well. Um, and then in addition to Starbuds, I created some product brands as well, most famously Caviar, but also Star Bar Edibles and Munchies Gummies. Okay, thanks for being here. And let's get on with the first question. Tell us about your experience with your first store. Brian, do you want to start with that one? <laughs> yeah, so uh, in Colorado, the, uh, we have to go back to uh, 2009, and um, medical marijuana was a thing. Sto stores and grows really just were kind of in their infancy here. And I started out with a cultivation, but then 2010, Colorado really came into its own with its really first set of regulations. And one of the rules was vertical integration, meaning you couldn't just own a grow or just own a store. You had to have both. And so a lot of people who were in my shoes who either had just a cultivation or just a grow wound up forming partnerships. And I partnered with a group in Colorado Springs that had a dispensary called the Tree of Wellness. And that's how I got my start in the business. So started out as a cultivator, became vertically integrated in 2010 when that was required. And we had a, a little medical shop and that, that was my foray into the business. Okay, thanks. Uh, Madison and Sherry, how about your experience with your first store? Sure. So um, I moved out to Colorado, actually. Uh, my daughter is a ski racer. And so that kind of got us out here. She went to a ski school and through 
my husband, Mark Smith, who's our CEO, we were out looking at some real estate for something else, met someone, his, his college roommate actually called and said, hey, would you be interested? We've got a gentleman uh, who owns Canapunch, was Daniel Griffin, who has a grow and some MIPS, and he's looking for a partner to help him operate them. He'd like to expand and grow, and Daniel actually holds badge one in the state of Colorado, which is interesting. And so we got together with him and he said he wanted to uh, grow his operation, but was looking more for operators so he could continue with his formulations, work on his MIPS. And this was in 2016. And we said that what a great opportunity. So we teamed up and we opened up our first dispensary in Parachute, which was a struggle in itself because the city is small and they had a prohibition for marijuana. So poor Mark and I went to many, many meetings and with protesters, they even had rotten tomatoes with them, not exaggerating. (laughs) And it was, uh, (laughs) if we could have escorts inside the city hall, that would have been great. But um, that's where we opened up our first dispensary as a group, Green Cross Colorado. And that was in Parachute, I think, town of 500, right on the I-70 corridor. Okay, what is it like becoming a multi-store operation from mom-and-pop store roots? When we had just the one store, I was like, wow, this is great. We kind of had employees from our neighboring competitor, and I thought, maybe the struggle won't be so hard. Then we started getting more stores coming on board. Mark was very aggressive about uh, growing the company, and... It um, certainly took on a life of itself, everything from the compliance to the staffing to all of the rules. It was very, very different and I think difficult. I don't know about you, Brian, but. Yeah, I also found it incredibly difficult. So from from going from one store to two to three is exponentially more difficult because you're spreading yourself very thin. And in the early days, uh, my main business partner and I were very active. So I was butt tending. I was checking <laughs> at the door. I was ordering wholesale and things like that. And so then you have to be able to train other people and trust them to, to do those tasks. And, you know, I liken expansion to a lot of, we're going to take one step backwards to take two steps forward because, you know, you, you wind up having to bring on, more staff and more people that you're, you can't fully utilize at least right away because there's a learning curve and maybe your company's not big enough to really use them. But you bring them in, you take a step backwards because now you're running at a, at a smaller margin. Um, but then eventually they become valuable assets and you could take two steps forward because you've got the team. So that, that's kind of what it felt like for us is we just kept taking one step backwards, two steps forward. Um, over the course of expanding and then you know going from single store to multi-store was difficult and then going from single state to multi-state was probably even more difficult than that okay thanks Corey. what are the common themes that you see in mso's looking to scale their operations um well kind of like sherry and brian said i think having a process and procedure in place is is kind of the hardest part and then 
the human element of it for sure. You know, being able to trust people and find good people. And, um, you know, I think part of that comes from having a, a scalable system and scaling in one state, like they mentioned, is, is one thing and it's, it's very difficult, but then taking that and moving into another state where regulations may be totally different or maybe just a little bit different can definitely kind of alter that, that business model. So we see a lot of people really struggling to be able to, to scale their operations and scale it effectively. There's a lot of really great products that we've seen try to take their products to new states and they just failed at doing so because they weren't able to put kind of the quality assurance measures in place so it either tarnished the brand or they didn't do a good enough job of kind of helping and supporting the marketing and sales portion of it to actually get those products onto, um, onto shelves. So while a product will do really well in one state, it'll completely fail in another state. So, Brian, before we got on, you were saying that during COVID-19, you've had a great deal of business growth. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, in Colorado, which is my primary market, you know, our state deemed uh, cannabis shops, as well as certain other businesses, as being essential. And so we weren't shut down like restaurants. And I think people... Um, were more stressed, they're home more, they had less avenues to spend their disposable income. You know, for a while, we weren't going to restaurants, we weren't traveling. And um, I think people came to the cannabis shops and spent more and and more people came. And what I I was saying earlier is the trend, and I think it's because more and more dispensaries opened over time. We saw our sales from you know, the early days of recreational 2014 um, at an all-time high and then taper off and level out. And, and it was actually even declining a little bit in 2019. But then when COVID hit and we were able to stay open, sales started going up and up and up and it, it's still really high. So yeah, we saw, we saw a boom in the industry during COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we absolutely did as well. And I think to Brian's point, people have this extra money and nowhere else to spend it. So we're also seeing a lot of first timers that are coming in and entering the dispensaries and wondering, you know, what is different or what's going to make their daily life different by starting to consume marijuana. And people are now starting to, you know, ease off of the whole stigma of cannabis is bad. So I think we've actually gained a very large following of new consumers during the time of COVID, which are now reoccurring customers that aren't afraid to have cannabis and, you know, switch out a beer for a joint. Well, it sounds like a great business to be in in the last year or so. So what challenges arise as an MSO that smaller operations may underestimate when thinking about expanding? I think that, a smaller operator, and we have learned this uh, with our 2016 opening of Parachute, they don't really see a lot of enforcement. They don't see the MED doesn't make regular visits to a one shop owner as much as once you start to grow, uh, they kind of like to latch onto your wagon, so to speak, and continually uh, come around. And I think that they underestimate compliance, which is something that we have put all of our focuses and energies on. And, you know, obviously, Brian with Higher Yield Consulting uh, 
his team has helped us out quite a bit and continue to help us out. But we, uh, I, I just, when we first started, the employees at Parachute used to say, oh, hey, don't worry about the MED. We've never seen them. <laughs> Even though they're just down the street, they, oh, they never come around because I didn't know. I wasn't really aware of all of the all of the components that went around for a shop because nobody really comes around and teaches you like these enforcement agencies. They don't stop by and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to hold your hand. We're going to teach you how to open. We're going to show you what you can and you cannot do. And nine times out of 10, they're honest mistakes just because of the lack of training or skill. But I do believe that I think that a smaller operator who's in the middle of nowhere, that's never had a visit. They have no idea of what they're doing wrong. So you kind of learn that when you open up more stores, you're like, oh boy. <laughs> well, I also think even in addition to the MED or, you know, the state agencies, the compliance and like just entering into these new municipalities is a problem in itself, or you incur all these new problems that you didn't experience in say Parachute or Carbondale. But then we move over to Steamboat and Steamboat is like Brian was saying earlier, I mean, it's still very old school. It's everything is required to be vertically integrated. You need medical and recreational cultivation, processing, and retail licenses. And I mean, with the space, you're limited with space there. So you can only be in a certain area of Steamboat. You can't be downtown. But now all of a sudden, there's no commercial real estate unless it's downtown. But the city <laughs> won't approve that. But you still have to be operating with all of those license types. But then you get to a place like Edwards. Edwards was absolutely great. We move over to Eagle. Eagle has given us, you know, a few challenges that we haven't experienced in <laughs> other places. So I think, yeah, us going or the yeah. family going from one store and then thinking, wow, we really have this figured out and we can move on to the next location. You just experience it's a brand new start, depending on which city you're located in or moving into. Yeah challenge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, we've already sort of hit on this, but if you had a chance to go back and give yourself or your company a word of advice, what would it be? Oh, I can tell you right off the bat, I would have started out with a compliance company. I would have, if I had somebody holding my hand and just getting me through metric and the med and uh, licensing, yeah. missing signatures, batch stickers, oh, every, yeah. labels, everything. I, it, because those, those small problems can compound into, an, into a nightmare a year later, if you're not paying attention to that detail when you start out correctly. That's the thing. One little thing, one missed process validation, one missed yeah. sticker or label or dose in anything that somebody should guide you on uh, can really turn out to be a problem. So that going back, I should have done a little more research uh, with a compliance company to help us get started. My advice to myself would be double it, double the timeline, double the budget, <laughs> double the resources. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. Yeah. If I could go back in time and, and give myself advice, I actually would have grown my company faster and taken on more locations earlier on when the barriers to entry were less than they are today and the price of poker was less. So um, 
dispensaries have become more valuable over time as the stigma has gone away, as revenues have gone up, as um, the industry has evolved. And so I, I think I would have, there were, there were a lot of opportunities I passed on um, years ago for locations. At the time, I thought they were too expensive. Um, but but I, would, I would tell myself, just do it. Because um, in hindsight, um, they would, would have been um, uh, really great opportunities. I also would have probably brought on more talent at a higher caliber earlier on. Um, and it wasn't until I found some really high caliber people and, and bit the bullet to bring them on that, that we really started expanding in a, in a much quicker fashion. So I, I think I would have just been more aggressive, to be honest. Um, think back to 2010, you know, my big fear was the, was this idea, you know, I've got a warehouse with uh, over a thousand plants in it. And, and I'm looking at 99 years of federal prison if, and no one knew what was going to happen. Was this going to be okay? Was this not going to be okay? Were we going to be thrown in jail for this? Um, nobody knew back then. And so um, it was scary. And so we were making decisions based on, you know, where are we going to be in 90 days? Now you could look years ahead, but now, but back then it was very short-term thinking. Um, nobody knew whether this industry was going to last, not last. Or, so, so yeah, if I could go back in time, I'd, I would have just jumped in even harder and been more aggressive. Yeah, that gave me goosebumps, Brian. It's so crazy that that's how you guys, because I, I didn't enter the cannabis industry as early as you or Sherry, but yeah, the thought of something like that potentially happen, ha happening is so, so, so terrifying. Like, yeah, now we know that the outcome, what the outcome could potentially be, but yeah, living off of wondering, you know, what's going to happen in the next 90 days. That's, terrifying well, when you're having raid training that's probably uh, <laughs> something to lay awake at night for. yeah how has it been working with higher yields consulting through the expansion process um well i can yeah i can touch on this a little bit especially with the support that we've had from hyc moving into michigan um for manufacturing we had i mean you think again that you have you understand all the compliance, you know, all the rules, you know how to use metric, you have the MED and then a similar regulatory association over there, the MRA. But at the end of the day, it's, it's starting from scratch once again. And I feel like once you've come to a certain level or you have a large enough business, you, you forget about what seems like a small piece of the business. And then you get there and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> um, I thought metric was going to be the exact same. I thought all the <laughs> compliance rules were going to be the same. I thought the Labeling heavy metals me. testing was going to be the same. I mean, I was calling HYC. We sent in our testing for um, our one gram carts and they failed miserably. I didn't know that there were two additional heavy metals that were out in Michigan. You know, so after contacting HYC, they were able to one, help us better understand the testing procedures that are out in um, Michigan, which are completely different than what you have in Colorado, but to also helping us source and vet providers that could work with us closely and help us pass that testing with different hardware providers. So I think the compliance component of HYC helping us transition into other states wouldn't have been possible without them. 
I agree. And also looking at when you're getting ready to make an acquisition, having an extra set of eyes reviewing metric before you take over and helping with metric cleanups from owners that it's just an absolute mess and nightmare has been huge for us. And that's something that we've learned too now, like Mm -hmm. moving forward, we don't just, it's not we don't just assume all the inventory yeah, and the thanks, metric discrepancy. Yeah, thanks for sending over the report. Our lawyers say everything looks good. Now we will absolutely take it a step further to have someone actually take a deep dive in all this reporting before we agree to any acquisitions. Because at the end of the day, we're the business owner operators. We don't know all of the tiny, tiny intricacies that we may think are minor. But like Brian was saying, you know, once you invest in that talent, you're then able to go ahead and rely on those individuals to take complete responsibility of that. And that's what we've done with HYC for compliance. So you have time to grow your company and make money and acquisitions. And you don't have to have constantly have your face in in the books all the time. And I'll I'll jump into, look, uh, Higher Yields Consulting is an, an awesome firm. And when you're looking to expand, you can either grow through acquisition, which is very expensive, or you can apply in new markets, emerging markets for new licenses. And most new markets, most states now have um, a merit-based application program that requires you to draft an application and demonstrate how are you going to follow the rules. But it's so much more than that because in order for a company like Starbuds to move into a new market like when we moved into Maryland or Missouri or applying in Virginia, um, what you really got to do is find a local group that wants to be boots on the ground. And what they really need is some expertise to partner with. And so one of the things that Corey and his team has been really great at is uh, putting people together. So whether uh, Corey finds somebody in another state or they reach out to him at HYC and, you know, and then he'll call me and say, Hey, I found a group. Or I have a group that they're really great. They're really qualified. Um, they've, they want to make a run at a license, um, you know, but they need, they need a good partner. And, and I think it would be a good fit. And um, that's really where not just their ability to write these applications and score really high and win licenses, but HYC's ability to put people together uh, and make those introductions has been invaluable. So to me, that, that's been probably the single biggest benefit is um, being able to do that because that's the secret to success in these new markets. You find ambitious business people that want to be involved in the industry. You partner with an experienced group like Starbuds or Tumbleweed and, and the great minds come together and that's the dream team. And that's what Corey and his group's been great at is putting us together. I agree. Well said. Yeah. (laughs) We could go on and on about all that stuff too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. So does anybody have any final thoughts or statements they'd like to make? I'll, I'll throw it out there for the listeners. If you're looking to get into the business, um, Starbuds now does license agreements and partnerships with people all over the country. You can either contact me directly or contact HYC and, and, and they'll put us together. But, um, you know, if you're looking to get into the business uh, in a new market or a different state, uh, reach out, 
And that's really the best way is to, you know, work with an experienced team. That's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks everyone for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having us, Adam. Corey, it was so great to finally meet you in virtual person. You too, Brian. I've heard about you a lot, but I've never actually got to meet you yet. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today and listening to our podcast. For information on how to follow the Higher Enlightenment podcast, please be sure to check out the description below. You'll receive all the latest and greatest podcast news and announcements. We'll also let you know when we release new episodes. If you'd like to be a guest on the Higher Enlightenment podcasts or have ideas about upcoming episodes, please be sure to check out the description below. For information about sponsorship or advertising on the Higher Enlightenment podcast, please call us at 844-HIGH-YIELD. That's 844-H-I-Y-I-E-L-D. Or visit our website at higheryieldsconsulting.com. Thanks, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon.